Well, good morning and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. If you're, if you'd like, please stand as we enter into worship. I'm 
Welcome, welcome, La Jolla Community Church. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the Director of Student Ministries here at La Jolla Community Church, and I want to welcome you all. Thank you for braving the illustrious storm that's out there to make it in here. I know it's extra crazy in these California windstorms. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, like I said, my name is Ryan Sylvia, and I just want to welcome you here this morning. A few quick things I would love to bring your attention to. On your way in, you should have gotten one of our fancy new designed bulletins. In this bulletin, you'll notice there's a little perforation in the middle where you can fold that bad boy in half and tear the bottom piece of it off. The top half of it, you'll notice, has a little invitation, one to our Sunday morning service, and then also to our family fun night that's happening this week. Our hope and prayer is that you find somebody you know that would love to be a part of this and you would hand this card to them. I don't want to see any of these left on the floor in here. Please feel free, take them home, hand them to somebody who would love to be part of our church here. The other half of that card, I would love to have you guys fill out while you're in here with us. On that first side is this Connect card. We at La Jolla Community Church want to get you plugged in and involved in some of the wonderful and amazing ministries we have going on here at church. If this is your first Sunday, please take a moment, fill it out, let us know how we can get you plugged in. If this is your thousandth Sunday and you're just ready and engaged and want to participate in some fun, wonderful activity, Activities going on here at church. Take a moment, fill that out. Let us know how we can get you plugged in and connected with some of our wonderful, amazing ministries here. On the other side of that card is my favorite thing that I get to do here every week at La Jolla Community Church. It's our prayer request card. We at La Jolla Community Church believe in the power of prayer. We believe in coming together, lifting up our woes, our struggles, and bringing them to the feet of Jesus. And every week, me and the prayer team get to pray individually over every single prayer request that gets submitted. So if you've got something difficult going on in your life, something where you're like, God, I need that extra ounce of strength this week. I need a little extra covering. Hey, or maybe it's, hey, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for something great and wonderful you've done in my life. Please take a moment, fill that out. Let us know what God is doing in your life so we can join in you in prayer in that. So please take a moment to fill both sides of that out. And then on your way out, there are baskets you can drop that in, along with mounted on the wall where you can uh, drop off your little offering envelopes. But with that, I would love to invite Pastor Steve up to lead us in a little message. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, this place is out of control. It's packed. You know, uh, <laughs> who knew? You'd be looking at this place and going, this is a little bit uncomfortably packed. It's a little bit too full for me. Uh, only COVID could produce that effect in us, right? Uh, wow. Uh, the good news is we don't have a parking problem. That's the good news. Uh, and we, but we want to pray that we do have a parking problem. Let me ask you that question uh, more formally. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in prayer? Do you pray? Uh, I know this is a little personal. It's like saying, do you floss? And any, any person you say, do you floss? Uh, the response is, yes, they lied. 
It's the, it's the big quintessential question when you go to the dentist. Have you been flossing? It's like confessional. You know, it's like uh, in the confessional booth if you grew up in the Catholic Church and you go, forgive me, hygienist, for I have sinned. I have, I have not been flossing. Uh, the funny thing is everybody actually prays naturally. Uh, most of my friends who are atheists and agnostics pray. Uh, not in the life raft, there's no such, or the, you know, the um, foxhole, no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Uh, but there is a sense in which everybody wants something more. They want to have a conversation with something beyond everybody else. Uh, is, is prayer, let me ask you this question, is prayer rational or irrational? Is prayer rational or is it irrational? Again, picking on UCSD because it's so close. If you, if you were to interview uh, professors, if you were to hang out in the faculty club, and, and every, everybody who came in who's a professor, staff, person, you'd say, let me ask you a question before you come in today. Is prayer rational or irrational? You'd put them in some kind of existential crisis. Because the ones who actually believe it's rational would be a little bit, uh, well, uh, depends. Who's asking? Why do you want to know? And, and you'd say, well, yeah, sure. I think it's rational. Oh. If you gave them the oh response, they think, I knew it. I, I was, you know. They caught me out. But other people would be really quick to say, are you kidding me? No, it's irrational. I was talking to somebody this week who's a graduate student at Oxford University, and they were at a pub right in the center of Oxford, surrounded by the most iconic and hallowed places in Oxford. Uh, the Sheldonian, the Radcliffe, Radcliffe camera, all these amazing buildings. When you think of Oxford, you think, whoa, these, this is amazing. You know, out in front of a university, a college, the first English-speaking university in the world, 750 years old. And this, this guy's in the pub, and he said, it was really fun talking to these people, and, but somebody in the pub said, you know, this pub has the highest IQ of any pub in the world. The collective IQ in this pub is higher than anywhere else in the world. And this person started laughing, said, well, that's interesting, well, I hadn't thought about it that way. And then he said, but it was weird, because then everybody proceeded to get drunk. I'm <laughs> thinking, that's rational. You're the smartest person on the planet, and you're getting drunk. Where's the rationality in that? I just want to feel so good that I throw up. I just want to wake up feeling even worse than I'm feeling right now. Why? Because they are in an existential crisis. If you have everything, but you feel like you have nothing, where do you go? Where do you go? So this is our our focus today. We're talking about uh, thriving and growing, uh, not just as followers of Jesus, but certainly we're talking about thriving and growing as people, as human beings, created by God to thrive and grow. Often in the church, we have too small a context and perspective. Ah, well, you know, this this is a sermon for Christians. No, this is a sermon for people. Uh, This is why I I welcome, but I kind of laugh at the criticism of people in the church. Well, a bunch of hypocrites. Well, yeah, that would be true, <laughs> because they are Christians. Uh, that means there are people who say, I am such a hypocrite, I need to get my life in order with God. Uh, so no, no, no big shock there. Well, you know, read the Bible, well, look at the people there. Well, yeah, this is the world God came to save, uh, to rescue and redeem. So as we talk about prayer being rational or irrational, it's sort of a silly conversation. It's that if, if there is a God, is it not the most rational thing we can possibly do but respond to that God in conversation? Respond to God's initiative to engage us in a life-changing conversation. Prayer is not about putting our brains in neutral, committing intellectual suicide, living in our own little personal parallel universe. It's about integrating all knowledge under the authority and sovereignty of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what only you can give us. What we need, what we want, what we aspire for. Answer the the, the cries of our heart. So uh, that's where we're going today. And I want to start with another question. Have you ever prayed for someone or something and your prayer was answered? You don't have to raise your hand or anything. But have you ever prayed for someone or something and your prayer was answered? How did you feel? I've referred to this several times over the years. Uh, It never ceases to amaze any of us on the staff uh, as as we pray individually or collectively for the needs of the church. 
And when a prayer is answered, we're always in such shock. Whoa, that's awesome. Wow. And then somebody will say, uh, why are we so excited and surprised that God answered prayer? Well, because it's always exciting when God answers prayer in the way that we prayed it. Have you ever prayed for someone or something and your prayer wasn't answered? And I bet you could also say, well, yeah. All right. Um, And so this big question hangs out there for everybody to respond to. Does God answer prayer? And of course, the simple, not simplistic, but simple, profound and complex, but the simple answer is yes. Yes, in his way and in his time. It's it's not a loophole. Uh, It's not a qualifier. Uh, It's a clarifier. Yes, yes, in his way and in his time. He's God. And we're going to explore that uh, today. Uh, John, the youngest of Jesus' disciples, and then later called the Apostle John as one who's sent, uh, wrote the Gospel of John, this history, the salvation history about Jesus' ministry. He also wrote several letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He didn't write them that way, but that's what they were labeled so people could find their way around in them, and they wanted to read them. But in his Gospel, uh, uh, he, he says this, uh, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. Excuse me, that's First John five fourteen to fifteen. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Unequivocal, right? There's no qualifiers in here. There's no hedging the bets, fudge factor included in this. But there is a clarifier. This is a confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will. Uh, it's about alignment. Alignment. It's not about perfection. Am I perfect enough to pray? It's about aligning with God's purposes. To, to know God's will isn't some mysterious, never-answered question. It's simply a, an alignment with God saying, well, what is your will? And it's pretty clear if you read the Bible what His will is. It gets tricky and complex applying it in the specific instances in your life, should I take this job or not? But for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. And it gives us confidence to approach God because He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Uh, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Why is this the case? Well, it's because God delights in answering prayers. I love giving gifts to our kids. Years ago, Janet had said, we really don't need to give each other gifts. Let's just do, have, have fun experiences, and that's the gift we give. But we love giving gifts to our kids. It's just fun to give gifts to your kids, right? Don't you love giving gifts to people? Not necessarily because you have to. It's an occasion that requires a gift. But you see something, you think, oh, that is so them. And maybe you buy it and save it for the event that will come. But you're not buying it because there's an event you have to, you know, um, honor with a gift, but you see something you think, oh my gosh, that is so them. And, and that's the beauty of, of delighting in, in answering prayer for God, apparently. Uh, Jeremiah 9, uh, the great prophet Jeremiah says it this way, let not the wise man or woman boast of their wisdom, or the strong person boast of their strength, or the rich person boast of their riches. Boast as in not, aren't I awesome, I have this, or isn't it great to have this, but thank God Thank me I have this because this is all I need. I'm set now. I'm secure. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. But let them boast about this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. What delights the Lord? These things. He says, for in these I delight. And then in Jeremiah 29, uh, the prophet speaks on behalf of God and says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's an alignment, isn't it? One of the ironies about Jesus' ministry is he kept running into religious professionals who, whose claim to know God's will and everything there was to know about him. But when they met him, they didn't recognize him. They were seeking after something with all their heart, but when they stood in the presence of that which they ostensibly theoretically, conceptually, practically were were seeking, they didn't recognize him. John, again, in another place says, he came into the world he created, the the world which really was his own, but they didn't recognize him. Why? Because he had this very small version 
of what it looked like. Uh, our God is generally too small because it has to, he, he or it or whatever we, we determine as God has to fit into our conceptual framework. Our perspective is just not big enough. I love the way C.S. Lewis said it. Our problem isn't that we ask too much. We ask for so little. Uh, God wants to give us, you know, world beyond end. And we want to make pies in the mud. So to know God is to know that he is kind, he's just, he's righteous, he's powerful. That's what we know about him. And as we walk with him, we start to know that of him. He invites us to pray and promises answers. So we pray. But then what? We pray for a sick loved one and they don't get better. We pray for a spouse or a job or relief or guidance and it doesn't happen. It does not occur. So we get angry and we get disappointed with God, don't we? Uh, King David was experiencing this. Uh, There's not a slide for this, but in Psalm 13, uh, verse 1, he says, How long, O Lord, how long? Will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? You see what he's dealing with? That sense of, I'm praying, but my enemies seem to be closing in on me. Uh, I'm, I'm equipped with all these things, but they don't seem to be adequate because it's not looking good for me right now. Where are you? How long, O oh Lord? How long? Again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but have you not all felt that? Have we not all said, Lord, how long, O oh Lord, how long? Of course, the answer that we don't articulate is basically the answer that it takes what it takes. It takes as long as it takes. Defer to rule one, you know. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So don't view prayer as as a spiritual version of gambling. Well, you win some, you lose some. It'd be tempting to do that. Ah, what the heck? Just throw it up there, see if it was a, you know the original Hail Mary. Hail Mary comes from Luke's Gospel. Hail Mary, full of grace. It's a wonderful, you know, um, way of recognizing Mary's unique calling uh, to bear the Messiah. Uh, it's become now, of course, a football term. We're in, we're in full throes of football season. You'll be hearing references to Hail Marys. Um, just throw it up there. Hope somebody get either gets in, 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 you know uh, pass interference or they actually catch it. Uh, just, just, just throw it up there. Uh, don't view prayer as a spiritual version of gambling. Well, you win some, you lose some. Uh, and don't pray with a wistful sense of guarded resignation. Oh, well, may, may as well pray. We pray because God delights in answering our prayers. He doesn't always answer them in the way we want them answered. Years ago, I, I was asked to go over and meet with a fellow at Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach, um, Bob Curtis, phenomenal person, uh, surrounded by genius doctors and he had a heart problem and they looked at every way to treat it. They did every test he could do and uh, they were going to do surgery on his heart. So I went over to have a prayer with him. I was asking him how he's doing. He said, well, you know, as well as I can, knowing that I might not be coming home anytime soon or might not be here tomorrow. And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, I, I prayed for his heart to be healed. I prayed for his heart to be healed by God that, that God worked through the doctors and heal his heart. God just heal his heart. Pretty simple, straightforward prayer. And he said, thank you very much. I, I left. So the next day I thought, hey, I'll swing by, see Bob. I go to Bob's room and the bed is empty. Like, oh no. I went to the desk. I said, hey, uh, Mr. Curtis is not there. No, he's not. You know, they don't want to give you any information, right? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm his pastor. And I, he was here yesterday and I prayed for him and he's not here. No, he's not. Well, was he discharged? Yes. Why didn't you say so? You know. I said, oh, okay, well, thank you so much. So I called Bob. Bob, what's going on? He goes, I, I said, you, you, the surgery must have went really well and really fast. He said, well, no, I didn't need surgery. I said, what happened? They said they came in and they ran one more set of tests. They said, whatever the problem was that we documented, you can see what we got, it's no longer there. So he's giving me full 100% credit for praying for his healing. Now he's telling everybody, you know, hey, if you want, you want to be healed, you call Steve, and he will pray for you, and you will be healed. Which then I had to have a card printed, not really, but, you know, a card printed that I can pray and you will be healed as long as you have exactly what Bob had, you know. Uh, 
Uh, it's, it's not a win some, lose some. It's not all a miserable pray. It's that I don't know how God wants to answer this prayer. I just know that God will answer it one way or the other. Had I gone back and there was no Bob there, and I called and Hazel answered the phone. I said, Hazel, where's Bob? The Lord took him home, right? Okay, it's ultimate healing. So don't hedge your bets. Don't qualify your expectations. Don't rationalize or don't feel stupid praying. Don't feel silly asking somebody, may I pray for you? I've had friends who are physicians who have said, I finally got up the courage and had, I think, enough trust from my patient, enough credibility to say, listen, do you believe in prayer? And when they've said, well, yeah, of course, 100% of people when that critical moment will say, well, what the heck? Yeah, sure. And, and, and they have then ventured out to pray. And they, they said, you know, I don't know why it was so fearful for me to do this. One, because, gee, am I stepping over some boundary, a medical thing? Uh, but it gave them a, a new sense of pastoral presence as physicians to say, hey, I'm just offering this as one of many things that I do to care for you. See, it's a very Hebraic concept. It's a whole body experience. You can, pray, you can pay Craig Venter over here at Illumina tens of thousands of dollars, and he will examine every part of your body genomically and give you a lot of information. If you can afford it, go for it. But the only one who really knows all of you completely is the Lord. And so what I would want to do is go over and, and of course, Craig Venter isn't running the machinery, but I'd want to say to that person who's doing it, hey, do you believe in prayer? And I'd want to hear them say, well, of course, I do all this, and of course I believe in prayer. Well, let's pray before you go uh, through all the diagnostics. See the power of that? This is the power that God invites us to participate in. Yes, he hears our prayers because he loves us. Because he loves us, we trust in him. Why? Because God is good. Uh, I, I got this text yesterday. A young woman was in a very, very, very serious uh, accident a couple weeks ago. Horrific accident. It was very, looking very grim. Uh, and she said, as I was laying there waiting for help to come, I felt firsthand the peace and presence of the Holy Spirit. She's a young woman in her late 20s. Truly an incredible, almost freakish experience. God is good all the time. Now she's not completely out of the woods yet but this is where God met her. Was she miraculously healed? No. But that was part of our prayer. She's going through probably a long, very, a very long therapeutic reconstructive process. But this sense of God's abiding presence made all the difference for her. Do we always get that? No, but this is the God all the time anyway. Believe it or not, the sun is shining today. Uh, we can't see it it's, you know, on the other side of the clouds. But if you're flying into San Diego right now, you're going, oh, another beautiful day. Oh, whoa, look at those clouds below, you know. Uh, we live in the world of perpetual gloom in La Jolla. You cannot grow tomatoes in La Jolla, but you drive 10 minutes east and it's bountiful. That's sometimes how we feel. Wow, it's horrible here. Um, no. The sun is shining. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I'm telling you what you already know. But it's good for us to remember these things, isn't it? Because when my faith wavers, I need somebody not to talk me out of my feelings. I need somebody to remind me of who I am in Christ. Never, ever talk somebody out of their feelings. Never try to give people happy talk that God's going to answer all their prayers immediately in exactly the way they want. Just let people know that God is with them, God is for them, and can I pray with you and for you? Uh, by the way, I've had on any number of occasions, uh, somebody will call me and say, uh, would you pray? Would you pray that my spouse will return to our marriage? It's a heartbreaking moment. Now, the people I know really well, I will pray. Lord, I pray that you prepare him to be the kind of man a woman would want to come home to. They're like, hey, hey, hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's that all about? Well, she left for a reason. She needs a reason to come back. And the reason could be your development as the man that she thought she married. See the power of this? 
So praying is better than not praying. And trusting everything to God is always wise. And He can use any means to respond to us. Often it's about our development, our preparedness to live, our preparedness to die. Why? Because He's good all the time. Paul, right into the Philippians, he said, you know, I'm in this really dicey situation where I could die. And if it was up to me, I'm not sure what I'd choose. If I die, I get to go to be with the Lord. You see this in Philippians chapter 1. If I live, I get to be with you. I don't know which one to choose. They're both awesome. Why? Because God is awesome. In this case, one case only, I'm not misusing the word awesome. Because God is truly awesome. So he's with you, he's for you. As, as Paul wrote at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, in the love chapter, I think it's, uh, it's 13 verses, I think it's a verse 11, he says, now we know in part, then we shall know fully. Now, it's as if we're looking through a glass darkly, we can't quite see with clarity the other side. But then we will, she- we will see and know fully, even as we are seen and fully known. Does that give you goosebumps, I hope? Thinking that, yes, yeah, uh, living or dying, it's all good. Now, there's a lot of grief and loss. Do not discount that. Having been through grief and loss, it's heart-wrenching. Some of the times I've been through grief and loss, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't, ar- I couldn't talk. I was just so overwhelmed. Um, sometimes, though, I, uh, we were at a wedding yesterday. Uh, the groom, this strong, strapping guy, this guy is one of these guys that is like the ultimate guy. He can fly a plane, ride a motorcycle. He sees an excavator. He, he, he can jump into it and, and do stuff with it. Uh, but meanwhile, he's a super smart guy with a master's degree who does all kinds of interesting things. And what's rotten about it, he's like 28. He's young, he's handsome, he's strong. He's one of these guys you go, that is the all-American guy. At the wedding, he fell apart emotionally. It was, so, it was beautiful. He's supposed to say some things, and all of a sudden, this big guy just lost it, and just tears, and he couldn't talk for a while. And then it became funny because his wife's going, hey, come on, pull it together, you know. We're not done yet, you know, <laughs> and, and now the whole group is like, yeah, yeah, you know, and everybody was so for him because they thought this is what it's about, this incredible sense of love pouring out of him. He couldn't contain it. This is what life is. This is what prayer is, is entering into that stream of God's love, and yes, it includes grief and loss. Yes, it includes uncertainty. Yes, it includes some disappointment because I'm not sure if God's with me. It seems like he's hiding. How long, O oh Lord, how long, right? But God provides what we need, not necessarily what we want when we want it. Why? Because he's God. There's really no such thing as unanswered prayer. Why? Because silence is an answer. No is an answer. Not yet is an answer. Um, I, I, I'm not a massive country music fan, but I just love this song by Garth Brooks. It's an old song called uh, Unanswered Prayer. Uh, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And of course, you know, uh, three chords in a story basically is what a country song is. Um, He's talking about, this, this guy's talking about being with a wife he's madly in love with uh, at, at this high school football game years later after being out of high school. He's with his wife at this game. He runs into his old girlfriend, the, the woman he thought, that I, that's the woman I want to spend my life with. And he was praying fervently, God, this is the woman I want in my life. And as he stood there seeing her awkwardly, and her looking at him awkwardly, and both realizing, thank God for unanswered prayer. <laughs> The humor of it was not lost to this guy going, I could not be more emphatically happy than I am right now. And yet, you know, at, this, at one point I thought this is the only thing that could make me happy. And I was so miserable and angry with God basically that it didn't work out. So picture this. When we die and stand before God, we will see his magnificence. We'll probably be like the young groom at the wedding yesterday, just overcome with emotion. And nobody's going to say what's wrong because they're going to know something is so right. All the emotions are confirming it. So we'll see his magnificence, his glory, his uncompromising goodness, his love, his mercy, and then we will understand. Oh, okay. Everything else will be put into place that right now is not in place. You might feel like your life is so dislocated right now. It feels dislocating to all of us right now. Uh, I put on a mask and I feel completely disoriented. It's weird. 
it's just this thing of uh, uh, putting on a mask now. I, I'm just, it just makes me feel like, uh, you know. It's like when you get your glasses tuned up, get the new prescription, you start walking with the glasses, you're like, <laughs> because it's just so disorienting for a little bit. But we will see our doubt, we'll see our disappointment, we'll see our disobedience in the larger context of things. So take that assurance of what will be and see it for what it is right now. God is for you. God, God is with you. Your prayers then will become a shelter and a refuge. A place of recovery and renewal and re-energizing and realigning your perspective. And it won't be a place you'll hide forever. It'll be a place you'll, you'll gather. The Bible has all these great uh, images, you know, under, like the cleft of a rock. I, I, a friend uh, was, you know, climbed Mount Whitney, flown across the country with some other physician friends to climb Mount Whitney. Then on the top of Mount Whitney, it starts lightning and thundering. They climb under this cleft because he realized this is a great place to get fried. And literally on that trip, while they were under the cleft of the rock, some other guy decided, hey, this is awesome, and they did get fried. They get hit by lightning and they were killed. Now, here's a guy who's under the rock thinking, I'm a physician, I can't help anybody right now. This is so big, so beyond me. But, his, his, but like that, prayer is a shelter and a refuge. And your trust will be a pathway to hope. Not your trust as your trust. If I just have enough trust, it's your trust in Him. He is enough. You'll be able to pray humbly and boldly with freedom and vulnerability. Sometimes your prayers will be like this, Lord, I don't know what to pray. But as we stand here holding hands in a circle or with our hands on this person, we don't know what to pray. We, 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 it just seems so heartbreaking and so hopeless or so bigger than us. We don't know how to pray. Lord, give us words to pray. Or simply, Lord, from the groans you hear, the tears, the sniffles you're hearing right now, this is our prayer. Meet us here. That is an awesome prayer. Along with please and thank you are good prayers too. You'll be able to pray humbly and boldly with freedom and vulnerability. And if we don't do this, we will be skeptical, we will be cynical, and we will be continuously, perpetually angry with God. Uh, some of you heard me say years ago, Janet and I were... After coming back into the country, after you know, all those zero forever flights, had to change planes in New York to finally get back to Orange County. And, and they had put, given us seats back then when they had a no smoking section. Of course, the mo no smoking section was the seats right in front of the smoking section. So it's like massive clouds enveloping us. And <laughs> she said, hey, excuse me, can we have ding, ding, can we move? It's a packed flight. Let me see. Okay, we got two seats. They're not together. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, fine. You know, we go to the seats. I'm sitting next to this guy, and he says, so. Oh, I mean, people start with so. I'm like, oh, no. I just want to go to sleep. He said, so what do you do? And I'm thinking, thank God. I'm a pastor, which always gives me a chance to sleep. <laughs> oh, hey, I'll have a double, please. Thank you. You know, not this guy. This guy lays into me like he's been waiting for me. He is one angry atheist, and he starts pouring out all this stuff about why he's an atheist. The, the, the flight attendant comes up and asks us if he wants something to drink, and this guy orders for me. <laughs> uh, my Christian friend here, who's the pastor, will have, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And the attendant's like, oh my gosh, I, there's nowhere else I can move you, sorry. You know? So I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a very long flight. And I was just so tired, I said, it sounds to me like you've had a really hard go with either your faith or somebody else's. And he pours out this incredible story of his own disobedience to God, the guilt, the regret, and the way he's defended himself against God. And at over a, whatever it is, it's a four or five hour, I don't know, six hour flight, over the whole course of it, he just, you know, God, I didn't have to say anything. You know how verbose I am. Well, I've been known to be verbose. It's a, just a bad rumor. I wouldn't I would deny it. You see, this is what happens. We become perpetually cynical, angry, skeptical, defended against God. Our heart becomes way small. Our mind becomes much shrunken. And every unanswered prayer becomes an indictment against God's character. Because he's not good all the time. 
There probably isn't a God. Why am I even thinking there's a God? Who, who am I even talking to? Thank Darwin for this great day. You know, that's what, you, 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 you try to find something to redirect your prayer. You'll be tempted to accuse God of lacking love, care, and concern. You'll forget if you even knew what, what delights the heart of God. Love, justice, kindness, righteousness, generosity, humility. And so I, I believe prayer is the ultimate act of hope in a world that often crushes hope. So I pray. Uh, God answers my prayers, but not always how I want or expect Him to. Everything He does is the best thing to be done. Voltaire wrote a brilliant, mockable um, story about his peers uh, called Candide. And I won't go into Candide. If you, if you want to read it, it's a brilliant enlightenment mock of his culture because uh, in one of the uh, Pan, Pangloss, one of the characters, has this phrase, it was the, it's the best of all possible worlds. It's the best of all possible worlds. Uh, it's this very weak humanistic you know, declaration. And so uh, Voltaire, who was not uh, necessarily a deist, but he, he just mocked that. And, he, and so every character shows that it's not the best of all worlds. It's a crappy world most of the time for most people. It's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking kind of a pre-existentialist critique of the French Enlightenment and, and of the modern world, actually. But everything God does is the best thing to be done. Not because it's the best of all possible worlds, but He's the best of all possible gods. So prayer is confident faith. Not controlling faith. I'll tell God what I need. I'll let Him know. I'll take care of it. He's not a vending machine. He's not your valet. He's not your man, your butler. He's God. Everything he does is the best that will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And so our confession, our prayer is really, Lord Jesus, I believe you know and do what is best. Hear my prayer. Amen. We can use the Lord's prayer. Hung Wei, thank you for that prayer. It's a prayer and a guide to prayer. It's not just, it was given as a, a prayer, but it's really a guide to prayer. We, we pray it because it's a great encapsulation of what prayer is. But it's a jumping off point for all prayer. God is sovereign. Everything else follows from that. It's in his hallowed name we ask him to meet our needs and influence our deeds. And through prayer, the Lord creates in us an aliveness that lightens our burdens. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's custom made. It's light. His Holy Spirit fills us with passion that burns bright for Him and His kingdom. It's a powerful combination of God working in us and us embracing His work. Let me clarify that word passion. You've heard of the passion of the Christ. It's not like a big emotional, you know, exuberant uh, um, thing. Passion, it, literally the word passio means suffering. So the passion of the Christ is His absolute commitment to love us thoroughly and perfectly is, it, it even motivates him to suffer for us. So Christ-centered passion is what we should have. Passion expresses itself in laughter and joy and raising of hands and singing songs and hours of praise. And some, some churches you go to and you just think, oh my gosh, it's a little overwhelming at first, but once you get into it, once you get used to it, you realize these people are passionate for God. But then you have to watch and say, are they really passionate for God or are they just emotional in worship? Because they look the same. Here's how you can tell a person is passionate for God. It could be because you see them expressing that in beautiful, uh, you know, uh, expressive ways. But it can also be a person who's quiet and on their knees or just hunkered over with their head bowed. But passion is always validated and confirmed by perseverance. The flip side of passion is perseverance. They come together. No perseverance, there's really no passion. There's a lot of emoting and self-indulgent narcissism in the name of God. When you see true passion, there's an open heart, open mind, open hands to God. It sets us up to persevere. So if you want to be a passionate person, say, Lord, teach me to persevere, and you will become a passionate person. 
It isn't delusional. It isn't irrational. It's just a sustained effort to wisely pursue our calling, which is to know God, to enjoy God, to walk with God, to trust in God. Paul expresses this beautifully in Colossians 1, 28 to 29. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, fully developed, the best version of them. To this end, Paul says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Isn't that an interesting combination? I strenuously contend, I'm persevering with all the, the, the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. So Christ's energy via prayer is how we strenuously contend. This is a call to prayer. It's a relational experience with Jesus and people. And Paul is simply describing a fully alive person thriving and growing in Christ's power. Why? Because they're persevering. This way of thinking about prayer is unfamiliar and untapped by many Christians. It just seems like a category that either they don't qualify for or they perceive to be irrelevant. So our prayers remain superficial and therefore so do we. We have emotional, sentimental moments at certain high holy times, Christmas Eve, Easter, but the rest of the time we have no perseverance in the ways of Christ. We have nothing to offer the world. We self-edit. I better not say that. We accommodate ourselves to the culture. I better not do that. I'm not saying we should be obnoxious or mug the culture in Jesus' name. I'm saying we should be so alive in Christ that when we show up, we simply are present and respectful and offer what we have. Can I pray? Wow. Well, hey, I don't know if you see this, but if you keep doing that, it's not going to go well. Because the Bible says you reap what you sow. And right now you're sowing a lot of discord. You're hammering those, those beers pretty heavy. And tomorrow's not going to be a good day when you stand up in front of the lecture hall of all these kids who paid a lot of money and come from around the world to stand in your lecture. I hope this way of thinking that Paul describes describes you. Because without this kind of prayer, you won't persevere in faith. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I'm showing up and learning from him. It isn't mystical, it isn't weird, it isn't exotic, it isn't esoteric or reserved for a few elites. It is the norm. This is the normal Christian life. If you see somebody doing goofy, weird things, it's because they are goofy and weird. It's not because God makes this goofy and weird. But if at some point you're simply being you in Christ, and somebody says, that's weird, you'd say, well, actually, it's normal. I used to think it was weird, too. Now I understand it's weird not to open my heart to God, my mind to God, my hands to God. It's not only weird, it's inhuman. It's subhuman. Because I'm denying the fact that I'm made in the image of the Creator. I'm being redeemed by the Creator personally. And so pray as you study the Bible. Pray as you talk with people. Make it as natural as breathing. Don't impose it on people, but be ready to offer it to people. And you can pray for anybody without being authorized to. As you're standing out there in the checkout line of Vons, you can pray for the harrowed, harassed person, bored, resentful, whatever they're going through, or happy, and you can just pray for that person. You can pray for the person who's, who is doing whatever and without them even knowing it. You get to pray. You can be secretly incredible. So in, in, in Bible study, in prayer, in conversation, we develop a heart, a mind, a life for God. And I end with this. A heart for God means you will know him better. A, a, a heart for God, you'll know him. That is knowing as in your experience, not just in your head, but you'll know him. You have this inherent sense of, I can't imagine my life but for Christ in it. Now you might be exploring Christ today. You might be brand new in, in committing yourself to Christ and growing in him. At some point you'll find that, wow, all of a sudden I, I, I guess I'm Christ-centered. I can't imagine my life apart from Christ. It's not like I've arrived at some big place spiritually. It's just that I can't imagine life without him. But I can remember a time when I could imagine life without him. What's happened? Well, you're thriving and growing in Christ. A heart for God. I pray we'll be a church known for having a deep, authentic, informed passion for God with the capacity to persevere for God. So let's pray 
passionately with perseverance. A mind for God, that you will think like Him. I pray that we'll be a church known for our commitment to think clearly about the Lord. So let's pray biblically. I find it so helpful to praise Scripture. I, I run out of words and I say the same old prayers and it gets boring to me, it must be boring to God. But if I take a, a Bible verse and I, I read it and then I pray it, Lord, I pray that I can strenuously contend with all your energy which works so powerfully within me. It's a brilliant prayer. I didn't have to write it or invent it. A life for God. A heart for God, a mind for God, a life for God. That you will do what he commands. You'll want to do what God commands because you realize there's no better version of life than to do what he commands. It's not that I'm trying harder. I'm just training better. I pray we'll be a church doing great work for God by equipping people to live, work, and pray purposely, purposely, deliberately, intentionally in Christ. That's what thriving and growing in Christ looks like. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, that's our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.
you leave today, uh, I'm going to give you a blessing, a benediction in just a moment. But as you leave today, uh, if you want uh, more information about what's going on here, to stay in touch, you saw the, the info, uh, little uh, announcement at the beginning. We'll show that again after the benediction. Uh, just fill in that card, send it in, and we'll send you stuff. We'll send you a weekly email, just give you a heads up of what's going on in the church. And then uh, at the end of the week, we'll send you a thing called Read, Think, Pray, which allows you to get your head around where we're going on, on Sunday. It's not the sermon. It's just a heads up, get you thinking, so when you come here, you're, you're ready to roll with us. Uh, and then um, let us know if you want to be in a life group. We, we create these small communities so people get support and encouragement uh, from one another. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to serve Christ. We've got different habitat builds and Mexico house building and feeding homeless people, all kinds of stuff. If you'd like to be part of that, we'd love to show you how to get connected to that. And also, uh, let us know how we can pray for you. We take seriously prayer. Uh, following the benediction, and if you'd like uh, a brief prayer, go right on the corner. There's a lovely garden, the prayer garden, and there'll be somebody there. I think Kathy will be there to say, how can I pray for you? And you don't have to go into a lot of detail. Just say, uh, I don't know, just pray. Or pray about this. Or it's not for me, it's for this. Whatever information you want to give, uh, she'll pray for you. Uh, we take this very seriously, prayer. Uh, and so uh, anything we can do to help you in your journey with Jesus, we'd like to do. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord who loves you, whether you can ask or even imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, if you want to drop off an offering, there's an offering box there. Feel free to do that too. So have a great day. Are you ever curious about what your children, the elementary, junior high, high school, what we ever do on Sundays out here on our playground, El Jolla Community Church? Well, what we have coming up is Family Fun Night. The first one is Wednesday, September 29th at 6.30. And we will provide dinner and then we'll have some games and a craft. And it'll be a chance for you to meet all the other families, as well as Ryan and myself and our teams. Find out what we do. It should be a really fun night, so we hope you will join us. Did you know that we also have weekly youth programs every Tuesday and Wednesday nights? So Tuesday night is Bible study. Starts at 6.30 and it's dinner, $5, unless you bring a friend, and then it's free for both of you. Uh, there you get to learn more about God and more in depth in the Bible, ask questions. It's a really fun night. And then on Wednesday nights at same 6.30, also dinner is $5 unless you bring a friend. And then that is game night. That is where you just get to know each other really well, get to know the community and great time with the whole youth team. So if you are in the grades from 6th grade to 12th grade, this is a great time for you to join a group, get to know our youth team, and have a really good time.